When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to a midweek edition of Tale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and we are ready to go. Thoughts from Coach Frost, thoughts from the Moose. The eve of the NFL draft, we are loaded up. Come on and join us, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Numbers to get in. Follow us, find us. On Twitter, at Schmidt underscore radio, at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal, and email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. I feel a ton better now than I did earlier. I got the, the second round of the needle, not that you care. That's a different needle than what my wife wants to give me. And it feels like Elijah and Damon both held me down and took turns with a with a metal pipe just swinging away in my gorgeous left imagined bicep is it that bad <laughs> the worst but the thing is i've heard some people say oh i felt fine i was out doing this and this mm. i went for a bike ride that and they got other people saying like yeah i was laying in bed for 24 Been pretty much hours. pissy all day okay all right more so than normal my buddy uh dear friend jeff the pharmacist the the avid denver fan uh he uh he i get a kick out of him because when he calls my name he's a huge yankee fan too so he'll go uh christopher garcia para <laughs> or uh, or or pedro or that's that's what he called me to go get my my first shot and then my second shot you know being the red sox fan so he was pilot on you know the implication he's giving me the needle he said garcia para he said pedro so it was time to get my shot. So, yeah, my left arm just, it, it, it hurts. Uh, but boo-hoo for me. Uh, we'll dive into plenty of post-practice on Scott Frost. Talk today. Some thoughts on that. Uh, the news on Thomas Fedoni. This sucks for an amazing young talent uh, with a knee injury, a non-contact knee injury. So we'll share some thoughts on that here in a moment. Here from Scott Frost. Uh, interesting uh, takes on the running backs in a good way from Ryan Held. We'll get into Mike Babcock. will join us in about 20 minutes. Get Babber's thoughts on some Husker football and uh, Husker baseball. Mike Shuart Shuey with us at 440. And then some NFL draft preview, part of ESPN Radio's draft coverage, Ian Fitzsimmons. Mm. So a nice sit down with Ian in one hour. His take on the draft and where the draft really starts and his thoughts on the quarterbacks, yay or nay? Are you happy that Denver got Teddy Bridgewater? Uh, for the price, yes. Right, because you're only paying three million of the seven of the ten million. Yeah, and you're only giving around uh, giving away a six round pick, yeah. which 
Six round picks, they've been known to be good, uh, Tom Brady. <clears throat> but for the most part, six round picks aren't going to make or break a franchise. So, uh, with that in mind, I think Teddy Bridgewater is a great insurance backup plan to have in case Drew Locke starts off the year throwing, you know, one touchdown and four picks in game one. Guys, eight and 10 is a career starter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's nice insurance to have. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is going to walk in and be the day one starting quarterback. I think that's still going to go you to You can Drew sure Locke. as heck pull Locke, though, and put Teddy in. You've seen him be pretty good in relief. And he started out okay in Carolina. Mm-hmm. And then McCaffrey went down, and good luck doing anything with that offense without McCaffrey. Yeah. But, but what it tells me is that the Broncos aren't looking to trade up for a quarterback in the draft, which thank God they're not because I don't like the idea of trading up into the top five for a quarterback because the amount of draft capital it's going to take to do that. And I think that also means that they don't think any of those top four or five quarterbacks are going to be falling down to the ninth overall pick. I think you'll have a choice between whoever doesn't go three, all right, between Lance and Fields uh, and, uh, of course, Mac Jones. And I think you're going to be able, if you want, if you're Denver, to get Lance or Fields. I, the, to me, this deal tells me, me the Broncos think people are going to be trading up ahead of them to go get those guys. And and that may be the case because De, Detroit's not sold on staying at seven and uh, Carolina's not sold on staying at eight. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if New England, which is unlike that. We'll get, that, we'll get into some draft thoughts and some college football. I mean, Ian Fitzsimmons has covered college football for a long time. You hear him with uh, Freddie and Fitzsimmons weeknights on ESPN Radio. So it's good to talk with uh, Ian Fitzsimmons. Open phones for you a lot of hour two and then a jock doc to, uh, to wrap us up. Here is Scott Frost. Uh, confirming what a lot of us had heard, that there was an injury to Thomas Fedoni last week. Here's the official word from the head man. Thomas had a non-contact knee injury. Just unfortunate play, just kind of a nothing play, and uh, went down, and uh, he's going to get surgery tomorrow. Um, So we feel terrible for him, but uh, he's in a good place and going to work to get back. Yeah, I think the the best chance would be to get back toward the middle of the season and um, play some games down the stretch. So you, you've got the four-game red shirt rule. You have Fedoni. And if, it, if we're talking timeline-wise, later into the 2021 season, can do that math and, and talk ACL. And Fedoni's such a gifted player, such a gifted athlete that this just really hurts because of not only his talent level, but just how he was finishing up spring. We're not that far removed from Coach Becton talking about how, all right, he's got to learn, he's got to grind, he's got to get better as a young guy. And then just a week, a day before this this thing happened with Fedoni, Becton was just kind of all over the guy in a good way yeah, about he, how much progress he had made. He had he had, had his best practice so best far couple. as a Husker the day before. So it's just freaky. It's 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 awful. It's unfortunate. Voodoo doll esque. What, what do you make of this whole Scott Frost thinking he's going to be back for this? I, I think that's wishful thinking. I don't, I don't think he comes back next season at all. Well, if he can come back and and at least suit up, you don't have to play him. There's so much progress from a medical standpoint made with ACLs. But but it's not he's it's not, not necessary. Peterson. It's not well it's not nece- well you pray it's not necessary because you know Austin Allen's 
really good and Vokalek's really good and those are your two guys. Yeah, in, in the grand scheme of things, he would have been a third string tight end this year most likely. Now he probably would have been the most played third string tight end of anywhere in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think this is a huge loss and, and I think just from looking at him, you could see him in the practice two weeks. So he looked like he had a little more filling out to do with his frame. He, he's got to get a little bit bigger. You, you've got Hickman that it's going to put some weight on in the offseason back at tight end. So it'll be important for the Burke standout to kind of get reacquainted with that tight end room because you still have him as a body. You still have options, but the progress Fedoni had made, it sounded like he would have been a guy that you wouldn't have been afraid to play, and he's a young, high-talent-level guy. Let's go to the phones real quick. Chris is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Chris, thanks for calling in. Go ahead. Hey, Schmitty. Um, I'm going to go silver lining with you here with Fedoni. So. Okay. I think this is actually going to be more of a benefit. Not that you ever want a kid to get hurt, um, but like you were just kind of talking about, this is going to allow himself to get in, get in the weight room, um, work on some of his upper body strength. If he's going to get in the playbook. Um, he's going to be able to better submerge himself into the, into the system. Um, you know, speaking from somebody who's gone through two non-contact knees, mm. um, you know, it's, he, this is going to work out. He's going to be just fine. This is going to work out to his benefit. And as far as him coming back, I don't. He's no, probably not no Dan Alexander who's going to be back from an ACL in like three and a half months. You know, if you think back in the day, Dan tore his his ACL in the spring game, and I'm pretty sure he was ready to go opening day of of uh, summer camp, if I remember correctly. Dan so, Alexander was giving piggyback rides. Yeah, the dude played the spring game with a torn ACL, and and you never nobody knew, so it was like. Yeah, what a freak of nature that guy Nobody was. could catch him at yeah. 245. He was nuts. He was great. Hey, so, good, go ahead. Silver lining. I think he's going to be just fine. I, I think we're going to be better off for it. So. Well, Chris, thanks for the phone call. And, and you saw Thomas Fedoni's tweet. Uh, if if you follow Thomas Fedoni, but it's been, it's been retweeted. And he'll, uh, he'll come back. He'll uh, rehab. And he's got the right mentality to come back from it. It's just... It's a situation, and Mitch Sherman had a really nice write-up on Fedoni's injury and what he'd been doing. He'd been doing some flexibility training to do some preventative work for said injury. So he's a pretty conscious kid, and it just sucks. It just sucks for him because not only is he a high-flyer and and high-level guy that was – he got it, and he put the work in to match the talent that you're excited about, right? And to have it kind of go sideways like that right after you were turning the corner, that's the that's the adversity you got to fight through. Yeah, luckily, though, ACLs, knee injuries nowadays aren't the death blow to, to a career that they used to be, mm-hmm. especially whenever you're a young, you know, 18, 19-year-old. Um, that, that's why I think he's getting the, the six-month from, from Coach Frost. That would definitely be on the, the earlier end mm-hmm. of ACLs. And the problem with ACLs now is not – the, the the issue of coming back it's the issue of having a, a setback while you're coming back that's the problem I mean look at Clay Thompson now that that's where this can become a, a career derailers whenever you have a knee injury and then you come back and boom right on top of that you tear again that that's the issue you got to have so that's why I think just just be patient with this mm-hmm. let him come back next spring I don't think we need to see him in the fall well uh, agreed don't rush him back the thing is with the ACLs as well they do such a good job of treating you now that you feel good, you feel better, and you feel better, and you're ready to get out there, and maybe it's a little fool's gold with um, what your body is really ready for versus how you feel. Let's talk about Bill Moose, Nebraska's athletic director, the Moose, 
uh, had his uh, monthly radio show on the network last night. How do you feel as a Nebraska fan when it comes to Bill Moose and nine wins, eight wins? Bill Moose talking about uh, eight or nine wins. He's not throwing the gauntlet down. Scott better win eight or nine or else. No, that's that's not how it went last night. But the, the topic of expectations came up. And with Nebraska football, <laughs> uh, it'd be great to get into that eight, nine wins to start getting back into the picture of conference championships and talking about more postseason. And I think in year four for Scott Frost, that's a realistic expectation. Now, Moose followed up with that understanding and realizing just how murderous the schedule is. All right? But listen, how do you you take this as a Nebraska fan? What do you think of Bill Moose's comments? Are you going good? About time? Eight, nine wins? All right, Bill. Are you like, Bill, dude, shut up. Uh, the schedule is what it is, and six will be lucky. Or do you kind of nod your head quietly and say, yeah, it's about time Nebraska gets back to eight or nine wins. Uh, there's some of you that are like, yeah, aim high. Shoot for the moon. Bill Moose has kind of had a good pulse on where he thinks the team is at because he was the guy that said, be lucky to get to six in year one, kind of echoed that in year two. Who the hell knows what to what we were to expect last year? But he is a thousand percent nails. Bill Moose is on defending the home field. I'd go as far as to say sometimes Bill Moose is a better pulse for how good this fo- football team is than the coaching staff, based on what we're hearing from the coaching staff at press conferences. You've had a humbled coaching staff mm. this year, and they're not really shooting their mouth off. And I'm not saying. Everybody on the coaching staff has shot their mouth off, no. But there was a lot of swag early on. You've had to reassess, and and actions are way more valuable than words. Bill Moose is 1,000% right with winning at Memorial Stadium. Scott Frost is 8-9 and nine in Lincoln at home. And year one's year one. But to be frank with you, you go 1-2 and two last year. You beat Penn State. But you get blown out by Illinois and you lose to an undermanned Minnesota team. That doesn't make sense. 2019, uh, your losses at home, Iowa, uh, Ohio State, Indiana, Wisconsin, and Iowa. All right, some of those were close, some of those weren't. And then in, in uh, 2018, you lost to Colorado, you lost to Troy, you lost to Purdue uh, at home. You were actually 4-3 and three in year one. You were 3-4 and four in year two, and you were 1-2 and two last year. Nebraska needs to win at home, and that's easier said than done because there's not really a fear factor anymore coming into Memorial Stadium because it's been about 10 years for teams rolling in and people leaving Lincoln without a win. I think you've, you've gone undefeated at home once or twice in the last 10 years. So it all starts with protecting your own backyard. You're going to get Michigan. You're going to get Ohio State. You're going to get Wisconsin. And you're going to get Northwestern. And you're going to get Iowa in Lincoln. It's an awesome home schedule. I don't expect Nebraska to go undefeated. I don't. But it better be a three-point loss. You better play your ass off. It's okay to lose to a more talented team and there are some teams on Nebraska's schedule that just flat out are better on paper and on the field right now talent wise but you have better depth you have a lot more starters back defensively you have nine you've got an experienced quarterback 
Uh, we'll hear from 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 Coach Frost on the offense and and snacks. Uh, Daniels on kind of where the offensive line is at. You've got a more physical offensive line, you feel like. So there's all these elements to to kind of go into. Well, if things break right, eight or nine. Here's my biggest worry. I don't worry about the talent in a lot of the games. I worry about the, the, the coaching. I worry about the decision-making. I worry about the play-calling. I worry about the personnel. I just I just do. Settle into a groove do what you're going to do and do it well and don't make so many freaking mistakes, right? That's what I worry about. Can they be better from a mistake standpoint, special teams and an offense? I think so. All right, they, they've tried to go fundamental heavy. Great. But when, it, when push comes to shove, can you be a difference maker as a play caller, as a head coach, as a game planner on Saturdays than your Big Ten counterparts? That's... That's the question, and and you're growing into that, but you're already in year four now. I I just want teams to have to work their ass off to beat the Huskers, especially at home. Uh, You saw that Iowa two years ago, Indiana two years ago, had to work their ass off to beat Nebraska Mm -hmm. and Lincoln. Illinois, Minnesota last year did not. It's as simple as that. Nebraska came out and played terrible, terrible games against those teams. We'll check in with Mike Babcock next at Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could... Listen to the radio. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time. NFL Draft Dante and Fitzsimmons, college football and NFL insider. A little bit after five, open phones, hour two. We say hi to Hall of Famer, historian, and author with HaleVarsity.com and magazine. Mike Babcock with us at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing okay. How about you? We are good. Are you going to get the old sunscreen out and go tank topping on Saturday? Yeah, well, no, probably not to that degree, but uh, I plan to go to the game anyway. I think it's gun show time, Babbers. I, I think yeah. you, I think you go. I'm kidding. You sit out in the West <laughs> Balcony and enjoy the sunshine. <laughs> you know what, though? I mean, there's going to be fans in the stands. It's going to be a fun atmosphere, a little bit different format where it's not really uh, tackled to the ground till till the second half, but overall, your level of anticipation, what are you excited about for Saturday? Well, I think, you know, it's always interesting, like we always talk, Smitty, the spring is a time for optimism, and and, uh, and so, you know, the second half, we'll see young players, and, uh, uh, you know, there's just a lot of excitement with, with the young players. I mean, it's this is kind of a stunner, you know, that Fedoni is, yeah, is, yeah. is out. Um, because he was uh, obviously the the head of that recruiting class, but uh, uh, there's a lot of interest, I think, in the young guys and and you know how they perform uh, in the spring game. You know, a lot of eyes will be on the quarterbacks. Back up to to Adrian, you've got Smothers, and you have Harburg, and you've got Mad Masker. So those are those are three to watch, and and I think there'll be extensive work by some of the young pups. Uh, in that second half, I'm hoping to, to see that anyway, and kind of let it let it fly. It sounds like Nebraska is pretty pleased with some of the progress made by those young quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, it, it seems that way. But you know, again, as we always talk to, uh, it depends on the line. It depends on establishing some sort of a running game, and and uh, no Ramirez Johnson, no Marquis Step. Uh, that's going to be an interesting position to see who's actually doing something um <laughs> no kidding. you know it's just it's just you know it's just been confusing to look at the uh 
uh, look at that in the spring, the running back position. Because if you if somebody asks you, okay, when you get to the fall and Nebraska opens up against Illinois in Champaign-Urbana, who's going to be the running back? You know, how would you, how do you answer that? Um, we I, I don't we think, can't. <laughs> no, I don't think you can. I mean, I think that's that's one of the things that uh, it'll be interesting to see again in the spring game. You know, who does what and and uh, you know how that might carry over into the fall. What's your take on just how physical this spring has been? Coach Frost hit on that about how they've really amped up and ramped up the physicality uh, because you, you didn't have a spring last year. So it was really time to go heavy this spring to, to make up for some lost time because you're going you're gonna to feel that physicality on Saturdays. Yeah, well, I, I think that that's probably a reflection of his own experience. You know, that was one of the things that uh, Tom Osborne always did was uh, physical, you know, and, he, and, and Osborne did a lot of uh, uh, ones against one kind of stuff, but physicality was really an important thing in practice um, because, you know, when you get in a game, then it's not quite as, there's not a big, there's not a big difference. <laughs> Although, you know, there's been discussions, I guess the NCAA is thinking about uh, reducing the number of uh, uh, padded practices in the spring to a, a significantly, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, Mike, it's an uh, article from Sports Illustrated last week says that they're considering uh, reducing full pad of practice from 21 to 8 and the complete abolishment of any collision exercise such as the Oklahoma drill. Um, that, that just seems like a complete, complete change to college football. can't do it. And do you think that's why Scott Frost is going so physical this spring, just in case that they do lower down how many actual full padded practices he can have in the fall? Might as well just get him in now. Well, yeah, it's interesting uh, to consider, but uh, you know, it, it's like uh, if they if they do make that change, uh, every every program has to uh, you know deal with it. So um, you know, coaches are paid well, and and uh, they're smart enough to figure out you know if if that's the rule change, then that's the way we'll adjust. This is what we'll do. But you know, maybe so. Uh, maybe you're going to get the last, presumably. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen or not, probably, but, um, yeah, you want to get some physicality in there. I, th- I think that's true. But, again, put it in context. Everybody's going would have to do it if that the, becomes the rule, so um, you adjust. Mike Babcock's with us, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine at MD Babs on Twitter. Mike, what's your takeaway from, from Bill Moose's comments last night on the, the Bill Moose show uh, from a from – a, expectation uh how realistic uh, are eight or nine wins next season when you look at the schedule bill laid out some some points of emphasis specifically yes the schedule is difficult yes the uh, home field needs to be back to the the home field that memorial stadium traditionally is known for and you haven't fared well against teams that you're air quote supposed to beat that's my air quote, and you know what do you what do you read into it, or do you read into it at all? Well, I you know I was a little bit surprised because I you know uh, that wouldn't be my prediction, but but I'm never I'm not too smart on that stuff anyway. But um, you know it's it's difficult. The three of your first four games are on the road, and I know you know a couple of those looks like you're probably gonna you got a shot to win those games. Maybe Oklahoma's the one that. Mm-hmm. Uh, sticks out there that it's probably going to be a problem, and then after that, you know, you're you're pretty much the only two uh, road games you got left. Although they're no small task, is going to 
going to Minnesota and going to Wisconsin. So um, the schedule is 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 backload of home games, and if you get into that, if you get into that, you know what he's talking about being successful at Memorial Stadium, getting the job done. Um, maybe it's possible, but it just seems to me like that's a pretty difficult schedule. Um, we've seen uh, things that have come out and ranked, you know, where Nebraska's mm-hmm. schedule is. It's it's a tough it's a tough go. So um, if Nebraska can do that, that's a that's a great turnaround. Um, I, I would uh, I think that you would be uh, reasonably happy if you if you went uh, seven and five or you know something like that, five hundred even. Um, after where, where, where you've been, so, but uh, you know he's probably smarter than I am, and and it certainly is good to to have the athletic director believing in in what you're going to do. I think you can talk yourself into eight or nine if X, Y, and Z happen because of of what you have back defensively. Uh, because of what you have at quarterback, assuming your offensive line makes a jump, and back to the running back discussion point, you find a couple backs that can do the work and the talent you have at wide receiver. Now, to me, I, I think the the biggest problem has been mistakes and uh, the fundamental side of things between turnovers and penalties. That's that's hurt Nebraska. Special teams obviously has hurt Nebraska. And and just some management stuff too uh, has, has has been an issue, and I don't think it's wrong for Bill Moose to say, you know, in year four, some of those things should be cleaned up and be be much better. If that's the case, then you can tack on a couple more wins. Yeah, that, you, you make a good point there, Smitty. I mean, management is something you can control. I mean that that part of it you can control the the penalties and the and the turnovers. The, it, it's something that you. You can focus on, and you can handle that part of it. So, if you control the things that you can control, um, you know maybe maybe that's uh, maybe that's realistic. Maybe that you can accomplish that. But uh, so far, you know, Nebraska hasn't shown that it's been able to control the things that it can can control. And uh, as a result, we see what's happened. Babber's going to go to baseball here. Get your thoughts on. Nebraska jumping into three of the polls. Uh, you have Kendall Rogers uh, listing Nebraska as now a, a regional site as uh, as one of the, the the sixteen national seeds. What what was Will Bolt's takeaway today? As I know, uh, baseball met with the media as well. Yeah, yeah. His his message was the same as as it's been throughout the season. You know, keep your nose to the grindstone mm-hmm. and and one one day at a time, one practice at a time, one game at a time, one inning at a time. One pitch at a time. I mean, it, and it, you know, from again, when we talk to the players on these Zoom conferences, you get the sense that they've bought in. You know, that that's their that's their attitude. Today it was Cam Wynn that was available, and you know, that's one of the things he said is, you know, it's not our goal to get in the top 25. Our goal is greater than that. You know, that we you want know, to we want to be in contention for a national championship. I don't know that that's going to happen, but but certainly it's a step in the right direction if you. You know, if Nebraska could win the Big Ten and get it an NCAA uh, regional and have some success there, I think that that would be a very positive step in the right direction. And only the second season under Will Bolt, the first season of which was limited to 15 games, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I think that there's just a lot of positive uh, positive things that have come out of it. And like we talked about with football. Manage the things that you can manage. You know, take care of those, and uh, if, if you do, then good things can happen. 
Mike, do you know off the top of your head, when was the last time Nebraska baseball hosted a regional? Because I, I can remember in my lifetime. It was 08. 08. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember younger. Sometime when I was younger, I remember the Huskers hosting a regional and then losing that regional. I want to say they went 0 and 2 in that regional, if I remember correctly. But that was a loaded team, Babbers. I, I think they won one. I think they lost. I think uh, my recollection, not that good either, but it seemed to me like they might have gone 1 and 2. But. Um, yeah, man, and the energy at the stadium and the number, I think the the uh, that tournament, they had a game, that that's where they had the record crowd, I think mm-hmm. 8,700 or something like that. Um, but just a lot of energy, uh, and it's, it's, it's exciting, you know, and that's the thing that uh, Nebraska fans haven't had that, had, really hadn't had that uh, until uh, Dave Van Horn got things going there with a couple trips to the College World Series and and uh, you know it, it. That's a good thing. If Nebraska can have an opportunity to to play host to a regional, that that would be a, a really a positive step, a step in the right direction. Mike Babcock's with us, Babbers. What are you working on here for uh, the rest of this week with Hale Varsity? Well, you know we're already planning for the yearbook, um, and so there are some things for the uh, that we're working on. Uh, related to the yearbook, and then we've also got a May issue that's going to come out, and, and there's a little bit of a, a baseball emphasis there, a baseball Q&A, a baseball legends, um, some stuff like that. So it's it's really like kind of trying to be focused because uh, you're basically working on two issues of the magazine in the next month. Can't wait for it. Loved the uh, the recent issue uh, with Kate Smith on the cover. That was fantastic. That was and, great, wasn't it? Oh, it was so good. Really uh, well done by Aaron Sorensen and uh, wonderful work by you and Jacob and Vogues and the crew. Of course, Jacob, I mean, just uh, awesome work with Hale Varsity Magazine and .com. Babbers, we will see you on Saturday, bud. Thanks for, as always, taking some time and talking some ball with us. Hey, thanks for having me involved. Be safe. All right, you too. There he is. Hall of Famer, historian, author, Mike Babcock with Hale Varsity. We'll check in with Mike Shuhart. Shuey's on the way. Ian Fitzsimmons, some college football NFL draft thoughts next hour. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Mike Babcock. Ian Fitzsimmons on the way. We will give you a cue to call coming up before the 5 o'clock hour, and also in the 5 o'clock hour for the ESPN Memorial Day kickoff. Elijah will play the sounder that sounds like my wife throwing a plugged-in toaster to a bathtub I'm in, but it's really supposed to be a grill with meat grilling beautifully on it and birds chirping. What you can qualify for, we'll give it away May 20th, is a Weber Spirit E210 gas grill from Capital Patio and the Flame Shop. A $100 gift card to Camp Campbell's Nursery and Garden Center. And also a $100 gift card to Leon's Gourmet Grocer. So all of that uh, up for grabs for you. Qualify ESPNLincoln.com or uh, be caller 9. So we will uh, effort Chewy here in a moment to see if we uh, can't get uh, in contact here with Mike Shoe on Wilderness Ridge Gulf. And uh, Shoey's got it all going, man. All right. Um, I'll text him. Let's hear from Scott Frost real quick, uh, specifically on those young quarterbacks here, because, well, the, the young guys have made quite a jump, quite a move. Here's Coach Frost on those young pups taking the, the snaps. 
Steady improvement is how I would characterize it. You know, Matt Masker continues to do good things. Uh, Logan Smothers just every single day got better, and his control and command of the offense is is improving and and uh, getting to a point where I feel great with him. Uh, Harburg is really talented kid that can run and throw. He was swimming a little bit at first, but uh, he's hungry to learn, and and he's really improved throughout spring. So. Uh, Mario's done a good job with that with that room, and those guys have made a lot of progress. Still have a ways to go, but have made a ton of progress this spring. So that's encouraging. Just kind of watching the quarterbacks work, uh, at least during the open practice. You love the, the the physical stature of a Harburg. You're wondering, okay, if if he can use his legs. You see where Smothers is an equalizer. And then Matt Masker just kind of gets the job done. And those are your options behind Adrian. And honestly, you're going to have to break in case of emergency and, and probably get some use out of a, out of a if history tells us anything, you're going to have to get some snaps, maybe a quarter, maybe a game, maybe several games out of your backup quarterback, unless this year four is different than past years for Adrian. And and he looks so so fast and agile right now, along with more pop to his arm, that, man, you're starting out with a full tank right now. Sky's the limit for what your quarterback can do. We welcome in uh, Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge Golf, and uh, can find Shuey out at Wilderness Ridge. Shuey, we're, we're fired up for the spring game, man. How are you? I'm doing good. A few days away. I know, man. Are you, are you taking the red or the white? Oh, I don't know. I, I even thought about it. Got to take the red. You probably, yeah, you got to take the red. It's going to be interesting here, this format here. And you're a, you're a sports guy. You love Nebraska football. We'll, we'll kind of go there uh, with the quarterbacks here. And All right, doesn't sound like Nebraska is going to go portal shopping. Uh, good call or uh, not so fast, my friend, to, to, to coin the uh, sunshine scooter here. What would Shuey do as coach? I would have to go portal for a quarterback. Just because of the uncertainty? From, yeah, you only one play away from Martinez going down, then what? Yeah, right. You got young guys. Yeah, super unproven guys. No, I'd rather have somebody back there that had a little seasoning to them. Mm-hmm. Well, and you really don't know who or how many running backs you can lean on. Maybe you feel good about the O-line, but say you got to have your backup quarterback come in and don't fumble the ball, son, and hand it off, right? Isn't that the instructions? Yeah, but you got to have somebody hand it off to. Exactly. Maybe it's your running back. No. So you got you got your backup quarterback situation and your running back situation is very uh, suspect. Mm-hmm. You know, you got – Sounds like good wideouts, great tight ends, but man, your quarterback's got to be able to get it to him. Yeah. Well, there's been some some improvement by your young guys. We just heard Coach Frost talk about that. Uh, that's great that there's improvement. That's great that there's maybe a little cleaner uh, throwing motion going on from from a guy like Smothers. But you know, we'll see, and we'll make obvious knee jerk reactions after Saturday. With uh, with what we see, Shuey, uh, I want to get your take on Kate Smith. Man, she was scorching over the weekend. What are your thoughts on on her performance? Uh, fantastic to watch and see. You know, I I was coaching when Kate came in as a freshman, and 
and she had a whole lot of talent then, you know, and it's just really nice to see and fun to see as she matured and as she seasoned herself to be able to play to her full potential, you know. So it's like that round she played, the last round of Big Tens was quite a round. I mean, that's it. people don't realize how good that was. I mean, that was an incredible round of golf, you know, but that's what she was capable of. It was just great to see her be able to, to uh, get it done. Shuey, as, you know, being a part of Nebraska golf as long as you were and you, you look at Kate's game and, and you, proje- you know, you're, you're able to recruit that and project that and, and see it pay off, you know, wh- tell me a little bit about that maturation process for, for an athlete, for a golfer at the college level. Uh, we talk a lot about football or hoops or baseball, you know, how and when's a young guy or gal ready kind of trans translated over to golf for us what what parts of a game need to sharpen here as you further your career in in golf well the first thing is you got to get through that that first being away from home type of uh syndrome mm-hmm. you know so when they're away from home and now they're a little fish in a big pond instead of being the big fish in the little pond so and they get lonely, they get homesick, this and that. So if they can get through that, then they're okay. And then it's just a different level because you're playing on bigger golf courses, tougher golf courses, set up more difficult events against much better competition. So then you have to go through that kind of doubting phase. Am I good enough? You know, because you're playing against some really, really good players out there. And you as a freshman or even a sophomore, you're still playing against seniors. So you got to get through the confidence phase and, and kind of go, you know, I can do this. I can do this. And then they got to get stronger, you know, because they, they, the game is a, is a much more powerful game. And especially at that level, if you have enough power to hit some of the shots that you're going to be faced with, a lot of the girls just don't have the power. You know, when the, if they get the rough long, having to hit shots out of the rough, to, to greens that are elevated, that are really hard. You know, they can't hit the ball hard enough to be able to control the ball, to be able to keep it in position. So it's like, you know, as they go through their workout processes, they get bigger and stronger, and their technique gets better, and learning how to hit those shots, and just experience. I mean, I, I'm, I believe the fifth year for Kate was a huge year because that helped her really mature, and uh, she you know, with her play and what she had been doing the whole time, she was good enough to play with the best players, you know, in the country. And that fifth year, she finally got to believe that, do that. She was fully mature in how she played. She was a very mature golfer anyway, a very smart golfer. But that experience really, really helped a lot, you know. And and she kind of, like I said, I mean, she was able to play to her full potential, what I saw when she came here. Shuey, hang on. We're up against a hard break. I want to give you a couple more minutes on the other side, okay? You got it. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Hale Varsity Radio. Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge with us. Shuey, thanks for your assessment and, and take on Kate Smith's growth and development and uh, what a performance by her. Shuey, real quick, bud, what's coming up for you this week at Wilderness, and how can folks get uh, that membership locked in uh, and enjoy some great golf, some wonderful food and drink, and the mother of all aquatic centers here around the corner? 
It's coming. They're out there doing some demo work right now, so East Bay gets a little closer. So they're tearing up a whole bunch of concrete and getting ready to pour new concrete. And then uh, probably here in the next couple weeks, you'll start seeing a lot of work headed towards the pool. That's awesome. So getting that graded, yeah. So it's super exciting. The building's coming along. It's going to be incredible. So get through the little bit of the demo pain to get a lot of the gain in the end. So it's going to be fantastic. I'm super excited. What are your fits looking like here at uh, Wilderness? We have Friday. We have Mizuno in. So uh, if you are interested in Mizuno, we'll have the Mizuno tech rep in. Uh, we can do fittings with Mizuno on Friday. And then the following Friday, we're going to do a, uh, a in-house fitting. So we'll have all of our products that we'll have out there and, and be available for people to try and get fit for a new set of sticks if they are looking for those. Well, go see Shuey. He's going to help you tee off better and make them putts for some dough. Shuey, we appreciate you, brother. We'll talk some spring ball and some more golf next week, okay? Uh, I can't wait. It's going to be exciting. All right, buddy. Take care. Uh, Love catching up with Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf on Hale Varsity Radio. So uh, we are loaded up next hour. We'll uh, spend plenty of time here. We'll hear from Ryan Held on uh, the running backs, which is going to be so important not only for nebraska in the fall but let's sort through who can maybe gain some confidence and be on the field this saturday and and beyond for some some stability in the run game i think the o-line is going to be all right need to help the quarterback out and uh, can you find that next running back reminder to buckle up 70 percent of people in fatal crashes in nebraska not wearing a seat belt if used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash. Buckling up, brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Again, that's meat hitting a grill. That's your cue to call for the ESPN Memorial Day kickoff. Caller 9. Caller 9 right now qualifies for the Weber Spirit E210 gas grill from your friends at Capital Patio and the Flame Shop. They're also throwing in a Weber brush and uh, Capital Patio rub. Caller 9-466-3776 or 800-825-5865. You also qualify for a $100 gift card to Campbell's Nursery and Garden Center to kind of spruce up that backyard next to your new grill. And we can't forget the meat. The $100 gift card to Leon's Gourmet Grocer. That is the trifecta, a grill, a gift card to Campbell's Nursery and Garden Center, a gift card to Leon's Gourmet Grocer, all part of ESPN Memorial Day kickoff. Collar number nine qualifies now 466-3776-466-3776. Collar nine qualifies and 800 825 5865 can also log on ESPNLincoln.com. Get your name in the hopper that way. Drawing May 20th. Get qualified for that Memorial Day kickoff with ESPN. Uh, Draft insider, expert in college football guru, Ian Fitzsimmons next on Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. NFL Draft gets going, and part of the radio coverage, Ian Fitzsimmons with us. You hear him on Freddie and Fitzsimmons, weeknights on ESPN Lincoln. And, uh, Ian, nice to spend some time with you. How's your prep been this week? I'm ready for this thing to be over. <laughs> it's, it's not this week. It kind of goes on all year, but, man, uh, this is a different one. Uh, you know, it's kind of like what New Orleans Saints GM Mickey Loomis said uh, yesterday. And I completely agree with him. Uh, this, is, this has been one of the stranger years in trying to evaluate all these prospects because you weren't able to be around them nearly as much. I mean, normally I'll work, you know, the better part of 25, you know, college games and maybe seven or eight NFL games as well. And I, I did 11 college games last year. That's it due to COVID, you know, because we, we, we all travel just regionally, you know, instead of flying to Bama, you know, or Ohio State for, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, or, you know, out, out to Austin at Oregon, you know, or, you know, coming there to see Big Red. I mean, it's uh, – you know, it was all regional games for me. Well, you, and you had to drive. It wouldn't let us fly uh, for the most part. So um, it, it's been hard for these teams to evaluate a lot of these players. And I'd like to just go back to that scene at the Senior Bowl. You had, you know, everyone, GMs, head coaches, scouts, wearing masks on one side of a partition, talking to prospects on the other, right, also wearing a mask. And they'll ask, you know, these, these you know, kind of psychological eval questions to try and see if players just, a, just a, you know, maybe – a player, a question that might either get a smirk, right, or a laugh or a smile, and, and you couldn't tell those little things. And then that goes a long way in, and you know, in defining what kind of person you're drafting uh, as well. And, you know, the, the film don't lie, man. I mean, you know what kind of player you're getting. That You also want to, to see what kind of player you're bringing into your locker room and into your community. So uh, it, it's been different, man. It's been, a, it's been a, a, a completely, you know, just unique journey getting ready for what's going to happen coming up on Thursday night, starting on Thursday night. Ian Fitzsimmons with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. You know, this draft, uh, the headline is the quarterback crop. And Ian, as long as you've looked in and covered the NFL and covered college football, does this crop of quarterbacks remind you at all of any previous draft or previous crops? Well, when you look at the history of the NFL, there's only been two other times where you've had quarterbacks taken in, uh, at one, two, three. Um, and I'm going off the top of my head here. It was uh, in, uh, Plunkett, Man- Plunkett Pastorini Manning, right? And then you had, uh, oh, my gosh, now, now I'm losing the second one. Um, it was uh, the quarterback, Achilles Smith, and uh, the other two. Uh, now I'm having a brain fart. But it's only happened twice in NFL history. Um, we've had quarterbacks go one, two, three. Now, in that, in that second right wave, none of them panned out. Tim Couch was one of those other guys as well. So, those guys that didn't exactly have a, a, a banner career in the NFL. This group, man, with the college game making its way so much over the last four or five years into the NFL game where hardly any of it's under center now. It's all catch and throw, read and react you know, uh, schemes that, that we've seen so much go from actually seven-on-seven seven to college now to the National Football League. You know, I'll, every one of these guys can tote it. I mean, and, and as far as throwing it, you know, Mac is probably the one that can't tote it like the rest of them. 
But I, I mean, of all of the top five, because there's two different groups. There's that five that we all talk about, right? Mm-hmm. Trevor and Justin Fields and Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance and Mac Jones. Then there's a drop-off to the Kyle Trask, Davis Mills out of Stanford, and then uh, Kellen Mond out of Texas A&M. So those are the two, you know, different different tiers. Uh, and talking to every, you know, scout and GM that I have over the last month, month and a half, the one that I, I, that I don't get, and I'm not as high on, is Zach Wilson. I mean, maybe it's because I've only seen him in person once. And that was back in 2019, and he was not good. But statistically, and he turned the tape on last year, and he was a different guy. He really worked hard in the offseason to become a much more accurate and more complete player. But you, you put his tape up against Fields or Mac Jones or, or Trey Lance, and I'm sorry, I'm taking Fields or Lance or Mac Jones over Zach Wilson. He's the one that but I circle as far as those five of the one that I'm, I'm going, man, I'm not seeing what the Jets are seeing. Uh, that, that's, that's the one that, that I kind of scratch my head at. Ian Fitzsimmons with us, ESPN Radio, uh, part of the NFL Draft, and Freddie and Fitzsimmons on ESPN. You know, I, I'm, I'm curious here because we all expect Lawrence to go number one, and you've got Wilson slated in the, the second Hold spot. Hold on, Chris. He is going one. It's done. Okay. Man, that's over. <laughs> the draft starts at four. Breaking news. <laughs> Breaking news. The draft begins at number four because we're having three quarterbacks go one, two, three. So tell me who that third is. What do you think the Niners do? I think it was Mac Jones from the beginning uh, in Kyle Shanahan's vision because Mac Jones reminds him a lot of Matt Ryan, a very cerebral quarterback that is remarkably accurate. He's the most accurate of the five, in my opinion, even more so than Trevor Lawrence. He's just not as athletic as Lawrence um, or the other guys, but for that matter, any one of them. But he is remarkably accurate, and you talk about picking up an offense quickly. Go back and watch the Senior Bowl. And the way, I mean, I wish somebody would stare at me, including my wife, the way Matt Rule would look at uh, the head coach of Carolina Panthers, the way he would look at Mac Jones. I mean, you talk to those Carolina coaches, Mac Jones had their playbook damn near down about day three. Now, that's remarkable. I mean, making checks at the line of scrimmage off their playbook without, even, without having to ask a question. And you watch players gravitate to him. So I think Kyle Shanahan, because of how much he reminds him of a quarterback he's coached to a Super Bowl in the past, and Matt Ryan, that's his guy. I think there are other people in the building that are going, hey, what about Lance? What about Fields? But when it all comes down on Thursday night, I think it's going to be Mac Jones going to San Francisco. And then the draft begins at four. And I think Kyle Pitts would be the target for Atlanta. You put Pitts in that offense uh, with, the, yeah, with the receiving core Atlanta has, and you still got Matty Ice that has uh, some miles yet to go. It, it could be uh, pretty big time. Where are you at with New England? And do you feel like Detroit and Carolina – do move out of, of where they're slotted at the 7 and 8. I mean, do you see some wheeling and dealing here uh, once we get underway Thursday? It would be very uncharacteristic for Bill Belichick to move up. <clears throat> but if maybe one of them falls to 10 with the Dallas Cowboys, then with his relationship that he has with the Jones family, maybe that's a move that he might make to go from 5 to 10. 5 to 7 uh, might be a little rich for his blood, but I still don't see him moving up uh, because – I remember that second tier of guys mm-hmm. that, that I mentioned. Davis Mills is a West Coast progression type quarterback. You know, that would fit with what they, they do in New England. Um, you know, he's uh, – I just don't see Belichick moving up. I don't. Um, and that's, that's something he's never done. And one thing we're not remembering when it comes to the Patriots, 
is they had eight opt-outs off the defense that only gave up 17-plus points a game going back two years ago. Dante Hightower and those guys are all coming back this year. So it's almost like you're getting a bunch of draft picks just from the opt-outs from COVID from the previous season. So when you're getting guys like Dante Hightower back, not just on the field but in that room, that's almost a big – that's not almost. It is a massive bonus – uh, coming into not just this draft, but the upcoming season. Ian Fitzsimmons with us. A few more minutes previewing the NFL draft. He's got that covered for you at ESPN Radio. And, uh, Ian, uh, a thought here on some of the skill guys. We mentioned Pitts and as good as advertised with all his hype leading into kind of a short and weird COVID season, but Pitts was incredible. Uh, let's spend some time on the Bama wideouts with, with Devontae Smith and, and, and Waddell. And you're, uh, you're a guy that, that knows about Bama program very well. And if you're picking here out of Smith, out of Waddell, out of Chase, who are you drafting? I'd go Jamar Chase. And people have forgotten how dominant he was uh, with Joe Burrow going back to that t- championship season. Seven of the teams they beat going 15-0 were ranked in the top ten at the time they played them. And, it wasn't, and none of those games were really close. I mean, they, they were just absolutely dominant. Uh, and Jamar Chase was the best wide receiver in all college football and the best team in college football that played the toughest schedule in college football. And talking to some LSU coaches uh, about two weeks ago, one of them told me that the, I mean, Jamar Chase made a remarkable jump when it came, I was talking about his maturity mm-hmm. level from 2018 to 2019. And that was a direct correlation to him becoming the best wide receiver in college football. Coach O told me he's one of his favorite players he's ever coached. Um, and because of how much – he just he just got it. He finally clicked. And he didn't want to ever lose another rep again, much less anything on or off the field. Jamar Chase, to me, is the best pure wide receiver in this draft, followed by Waddle and Devontae Smith. And it's close between those two. But it's a deep wideout draft. Again, for the third straight year, we're saying – one of the deepest positions in this draft is wide receiver. You're going to get a great one, and like an Elijah Moore, maybe in the second round out of Ole Miss, or Rondale Moore, who I think is going to be a star in this league out of Purdue. I, I, I talked to him last week, and I said, "Hey, you, 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 you willing to return kicks and punts also at the next level?" He goes, "Willing? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow, and, I, and I'm going to make a highlight reel. I promise you. I mean, he, this this man is fearless. So when it comes to wideouts, it's another." Very deep draft, and somebody's going to get some steals, and a guy like Moore, or the Moore and Moore, and mm-hmm. Elijah and Rondale, possibly in the second round. You know, Rondale was in Lincoln a couple of years ago and and finished with a, a good day, but he didn't go Ohio State off on Nebraska, and Big Ten fans won't ever forget that that night in West Lafayette where. Purdue looked uh, unbeatable, and, and Moore was yep. the catalyst. He was incredible. Uh, Ian Fitzsimmons with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Ian, is there a player that is scary, incredible on the field, but folks are moving away from because of some off-field questions? Has that come on your radar at all? Man, I wouldn't say off-field, but Christian Barmore, the uh, defensive tackle out of Alabama, he has a, a, a mean streak in him that is second to none to the part where some, some teams have actually put him in the box. And, and when I mean by put him in the box, that they're saying, you know what, you just don't draft him. He's wired tight. Uh, he's a C-ball, get ball, 320-pound, you know, just wrecking machine. But he would fight anyone in his own locker room if he dropped a towel near his locker or whatever. I mean, he was just an angry, angry human being. His fellow defensive linemen loved him for it. 
a lot of his other teammates were like, dude, would you relax? We're wearing the same uni here. I mean, he's got a, a true mean streak and edge. And then one coach told me and described him as being wired tight. So if there's a guy that you know, a lot of teams have a first-round grade on, but you might see him fall a bit, it's probably Christian Barmore to answer your question, the defensive lineman out of Alabama. Micah Parsons, do you think he slides to the teams? Is he snatched up by Denver? He's a guy that also opted out, but just phenomenal talent from Penn State. Yeah, the one thing about Parsons for me is that I want to see him be more physical. He's such a remarkable athlete. He, he was able to slide around a pulling guard and avoid contact and make a play. Man, at some point, you know, in, in the NFL, you got to meet contact. You can't avoid contact. You got to go to it, and that's one thing I want to see from Parsons. And I think that's one thing that NFL teams. If there's a question mark about him, it's, it's that aspect. Is he willing to take on that pulling guard to free up a teammate? Right. I mean, because you know, every now and then you have to do that. You got to you, you you have to go to contact in order to make a play. Um, and that's something he because he's so athletic. He hasn't had to do that often uh, at the collegiate level at Penn State. I'm going to go back to quarterback. Sorry to backtrack, but what question do you have on Fields? What question mark do you have on Trey Lance? I don't have a single question mark about either one of those guys. Okay. Not one. And I talked to one NFL GM yesterday going, man, why is Fields sliding? He goes, well, what draft board is he sliding on? Mock drafts? He said, this is one team that doesn't need a quarterback, but they evaluate anyway for due diligence. He goes, he's the number two rated quarterback on our board. We haven't moved him. I don't know what board you're talking about. Do you actually have you seen an NFL team scout, you know, big board? I went, no. He goes, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty damn good answer, right? Yeah. I mean, when you really think about it. Ian, uh, a quick thought on, on Nebraska football. I know you spend a lot of time covering college football, and uh, this Saturday's Nebraska's spring game, year four uh, on the horizon for, for Scott Frost in Nebraska. A lot of guys back uh, using that sixth year of eligibility, so the defense should be, could be pretty good. Waiting for Adrian Martinez to, to stay healthy. But yeah, there you go. He looks, uh, he looks really good this spring, and things should shake out uh, better on the offensive but, uh, line. What's, what's your take here on Nebraska as you look at them at a, with a national eye? Chris, there are certain teams, when they're good in college football, the game is better. Mm-hmm. Nebraska is one of those teams. I mean, I, I'm, I want the U back at Miami. I want, I want, I want to be screaming "Go Big Red!" I mean, I, it, it, college football is better when Nebraska is gr- not good, great. And I, I, I mean, I'm based in Dallas, Texas, mm-hmm. and when they made that move, leaving the Big Twelve because of the, that stupid Longhorn Network and Daddy the Lost Dodds down in Texas, I thought it, it, it kind of cut off some some recruiting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they are not a natural fit in the Big Ten. I wish they were still in the Big 12, but that's not going to happen. It's revisionist history. Um, I'm praying, praying for the day where I'm calling games like Nebraska and Texas again in a Big 12 championship game where did a ball hit a railing or didn't hit a railing, right? When Ndamukong sure. Sue should have won you know, and should have finished at worst second uh, and then Heisman Trophy balloting, college football is better when teams like Nebraska are not good but great. And I think this year – could be a big step for Coach Frost and, and, and the Huskers because I'm a Scott Frost guy. Patience is hard in this day and age with social media. Give that man time. Ian, uh, a, a dive bar in Nebraska or a barbecue joint uh, in the region, have you uh, 
partake in it either. I'm I'm calling you, Bubba, because guess what? I I don't have that one for you. I mean, but I'm all in, man, because you give me a good dive bar and a barbecue joint with a lean to it, I'm in. I mean, those are my people. Let's go. All right, I got you. It's one that Devaney used to hit many, many, many years ago. Now we're talking. Let's let's talk some ghosts while we're in there. Let's get it. I'm all about it. (laughs) Ian, best to you. Thanks for the time today. My pleasure, my man. Be well. Enjoy it. Ian Fitzsimmons talking NFL drafts, some Husker football. We, uh, one of those places that you love to cozy into a booth. We've got a, an update, familiar spot after a late night to tell you about. Your chance also at the ESPN Memorial Day kickoff, a grill, a gift card to your friends at Campbell's Nurseries. And uh, a gift card to Leon's Gourmet. That sounder coming up. And uh, thoughts on the running game Saturday. It's all on the way with Hale Varsity. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show. Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Okay, how many spring games or Husker Saturdays did you tie one on or just stay out way too late and end up at the highway diner? Or it might have been just a Saturday. It didn't have to involve Husker football. Man, I tell you what, my roommates in college, when we kind of moved off campus, we were strategic <laughs> with where we rented and how close we were to the diner. I could, I could waddle to and from and get the big diner or the hot stripper. It was wonderful. A tip of the cap to the Highway Diner as after a 34-year run of being open 24 hours, they are now uh, re-examining their hours. They're still open. God love them. But uh, they have made an adjustment. (sighs) Moment of silence. No more 3 a.m. biscuits and gravy. (laughs) And hash browns. Got a text in from Will Wilson. He said he uh, thought you were talking about the drunk tank, not Highway Diner. No, dude. <laughs> never, never, never visited that, you mullet-wearing Spartan. No, I, 6 a.m. to 10 p.m., those are the new hours. And I, this is, listen, they don't, they don't advertise with us. They don't spend money with It's okay. We've all had an experience or several at the diner, and it's been memorable. Yeah, I just one way or the other. I feel bad for the youth of Lincoln that don't get to experience a hot stripper at two a.m. anymore. Well, they have to experience a different hot stripper right, at two a.m. Right. But, but yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And then it, that's that's part of like my that's my upbringing. That's my youth. It's wonderful. Well, and we pulled it off probably 10, 11 years ago. With my neighbor Jolster and his wife called the cops. Because she thought he was missing. She was worried. His phone had died, and I really wasn't answering mine. Just, you know, plausible. My phone died, dear. If my wife was trying to get a hold of me, she didn't care. But, yeah, we, we rocked the diner at like 3 a.m., two old guys at the diner sitting down and just annihilating biscuits and gravy. There's the one guy, though, that is touring the eatery area. And and once in a while, somebody grab a, a bite off your plate because they've had too much. <laughs> that biscuit sure looks good, man. Yeah. <laughs> you going to eat that? <laughs> well, I just sat down. <laughs> Do you want some hot sauce with that? It it was it's it's we can still do it. 
Right, you, you, just gonna, do, you just can't do it at midnight, which or or two a.m. I swear, it, it just it just their food just tasted better at one a.m. I can't I can't it, d- explain uh, why. Dude, Carson swears by it. He, he's like dead, dead. Take me to the diner, biscuits and gravy. All right, good boy, good boy. Now Nitro, my my well. college buddy, he's like Schmidt. You're gonna actually finally lose that that fifteen pounds. <laughs> <laughs> So we had to spend a moment on the diner. God love it. And I am team uh, big diner over the hot stripper. I go with the big diner over the hot stripper. See, to me, it depends on the time of day. If it's like between the hour, if it's like daytime hours, normal going in there hours, I'm, I'm hitting the big diner. If it's like a, one of those 2 a.m. trips, then I'm hitting the hot stripper. Mm. So I'm not sure if I'm ever going to hit a hot, hot stripper. Ever Have you day. ever done the big diner and the hot stripper? I've never been that hungry, no. Oh, brother. Even, even back in my high school days. <laughs> I didn't eat for three days, but it was <laughs> wonderful. All right, uh, let's get into some Nebraska thoughts here. The running game. We also spent time on on Bill Moose, his comments last night. Uh, eight to nine wins, realistic in year four. <laughs> Are you buying that as a Nebraska fan? You can hope for that, and that that'd be awesome. But is it a a situation where the schedule's too tough? And listen, if we talk about the the eight or nine win tally for next season. With what you have back on defense, with what you think you have on the offensive line, with what you have at wideout, with what you have at, at quarterback, it's going to depend on the running game. It's going to depend on health. But what, what's your biggest concern about getting two said eight or nine wins? Is it Nebraska's talent in comparison to the schedule? Is it Nebraska's coaching staff when you see who they line up against across the uh, the field? Or is it kind of what we touched on with Mike Babcock? Is it the controllables, the fumbles, the turnovers, same thing, and then special teams, penalties, missteps? I think they're, they, they, they've, they've got to be better at penalties and turnovers. You can work on that. It's concentration. Legit. They, they can not be horrific at taking care of the football and making plays on special teams and kicking the ball. Okay, they, they they will be better. They have to be better because it's been an ongoing issue that's cost you two games a year. I think from a talent standpoint, are they more talented with their starting 22 or give me some depth than a Purdue, than a Northwestern, than a Minnesota, than an Iowa, than a Wisconsin? In some instances, yeah, they are. Where they have failed has, has been some of the game management coaching. That's 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 been it. It's it's been the coaching because they're not they're not out talented. And they gotta take a step forward and be better from a head coach and and a coaching staff. And I think with I'm anxious to see Lubick because he's calling the plays. Have more input from Lubick. It's not that Scott Frost is a bad play caller. Hell no. He's climbed the ladder doing it. But another voice and a voice that's pretty well respected in Lubick can help two heads, right? And then listen to Greg Austin. Let his guys be physical. Win the the physicality game. John's with us on Hale Varsity. John, go ahead. You know, one thing, Smitty, that's got to get better next year if we're going to win eight, nine, ten games is the horrendous Big Ten officiating. Okay. They're, they're, they 
need to eat a lot of carrots. I will agree with you on that. But at some point, you got to quit dropping the football or giving up a third and eight sack that turns into a strip sack, and there's your drive. I agree, I, and I don't think we've had a lot of room for error. I none, think, none, so that none, magnifies, none, It magnifies those kind of things, but it was week after week where you could count out three, four, five just baloney calls that went against us that helped turn the game around, and I, I hope I don't have to watch that next year. Some of the calls absolutely sucked. Nebraska, though, has not made their own breaks either. I mean, yep, I, 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 don't, I don't disagree that there's been some – you can go Big Ten officiating conspiracy. John, thanks for the call. But every game's not 2010 A&M, right? <laughs> it's not one last middle finger by the Big 12. Nebraska's culpable in some of their own missteps. I agree, disagree on that. I mean, I don't, I don't know how many of you go first and foremost blame the officials as to why Nebraska's – not getting bowl eligible. They've not helped, but it's a two-way street to me between Nebraska, the officials, and Nebraska being better. And, and John's right. A holding play or a holding call blows up a drive. So does an interception in the red zone. So does not being able to run the football or wanting to run the football in the red zone with a running back or leaning on your quarterback to run 4,000 times in the first half. The Illinois situation... Uh, Nebraska, if they don't get out and get a lead, they struggle. And that's part of getting better as a head coach is everyone wants to jump out with the lead or get a three and out and get the football, right? Get the lead, go 1,000 miles per hour, keep pouring it on. You did that in your previous conference. Hard as heck to do it in this conference. Yeah, I mean, the Husker baseball team, what have we been saying, gritty, not pretty? When was the last time you saw a gritty, not pretty Husker win? I mean, Michigan State in the snow. Yeah, yeah. You could make somewhat of an argument for uh, the Rutgers game this past year, but even then, (laughs) that 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 wasn't that gritty or pretty. It's it's impossible to win a football game when you when you hand it to them four times. That's how much better Nebraska was than Rutgers talent wise, and and from a turnover standpoint. Now, Nebraska got a couple back in the second half. Let's hear from Coach Held. And uh, let us he was all over Rocky Four today. And uh, here is Coach Ryan Held here uh, on his running backs. Well, the, the high level of training, uh, the high level of eating, um, the watching film on your own, uh, going out on your own and, and doing drills when no one else is around and everybody else wants to go to the lake and get on a boat that you decide that, you know what, I'm going to go out here and run routes. I'm going to work on my pass pro technique. I'm going to work on my footwork. Um, that's what it's going to take. And, uh, um, you know, I mean, that's, uh, that's something our guys, uh, I think, will do. Um, but I'll challenge them because, you know, uh, what they do when no one else is looking is going to determine what happens out on this field. So the, the true question is how many folks go to Russia to train in Siberia? like Sylvester did in Rocky IV, willingly going to Russia to fight Drago. I, I think it's a little different now than whenever that movie was created. To 80s, Every 80s flick had a montage. I mean, that, that Music and working out. I think it would have been worse. And Kenny Loggins probably wrote it and sang it. <laughs> oh, man, but it's like, 
the Soviet Union as compared to Russia now. I mean, there's there's com- comparisons you can make, but it, it's probably a better place up there. And I haven't been to Russia. Yeah, instead of instead of uh, Boris, you got Putin. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I mean. Yeah. I'm not going to get too political on the show. That's fine. Uh, more from Held. He kind of goes roll call here on on the running backs, and and he's confident in the spring that they've had, despite some missed some missed practices. Part of that's because of the phys- physicality. Guys got to be able to work through that. And then there's also a situation where there's some running backs that just honestly, you want them good for Saturday. They're going to need a pitch count Monday through through Friday. I'll just go down the line. I mean, Gabe is coming here as a as a freshman and. And he should still be in high school and has really improved. Uh, Marvin Scott has has really good, uh, really good talent. Um, I just need him to be more consistent. But when he does what he's supposed to do, he's really, really good. Savion Morrison's a guy that's you know been tough for me because he's just been you know different things have happened to him. But he's got as good a vision as we have. Maybe the best vision of the running backs. He's a good football player. Um, you know, Ronald Tompkins. Um, you know, got to get him ramped back up. He does a lot of good things. Um, you know, Ramirez been out. Marquis Step obviously will be back in the fall. So, how about the Yantinator? Do we have time for that? Do we have time for Yant? We got we have an update on Yant and some of the other backs. Jacquez Yant, the Yantinator, has done a really good job. Um, you know, he's 245 pounds as a walk on, and really, I mean, when he gets that thing downhill, it's rolling. Uh, and then you got uh, Jewett and Winemaster has done some really good things, and then Isaiah Harris has done some really good things. Uh, we got a lot of competition. I, I'm excited, uh, probably more than anybody. Obviously, it's my room, but um, we're, we're just going to keep grinding. But I think everybody has has improved, um, and you know, so you can't speed up time. At the end of the day, just can't do it. Got to keep working them. We'll see how they do look on uh, on Saturday. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now. Say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a caught preteen Swedish boy. Back into it, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us. Dr. Ben, uh, getting ready for some uh, some NFL and some college this weekend. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. I know it's exciting times, right? It is good weather and uh, butts in the seats, and you got a full uh, full draft party going on in Cleveland. So, uh, should be pretty awesome. Uh, we we talk a lot about uh, knee issues and knee injuries when we do jock docs, but you know you've got. Um, You've got situations where guys can go down and through no fault of their own. And, and I want to focus on kind of the non-contact knee injury, Dr. Ben, and a couple of different ways to go with that uh, when it comes to, to getting hurt non-contact wise and a couple of, of culprits that, that are pretty common here between the ACL and the meniscus, correct? Correct. Yeah, both of these can be a non-contact injury. Um, you know, oftentimes you think that it's more of a contact injury, but it's actually not all the time. And, and that's kind of the scary part is you can just twist your leg wrong and, you know, you can tear both your meniscus and or your ACL. Dr. Ben Woodhead's with us as uh, we're doing a Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center, ACL injuries. And are, are there... And I hate to kind of pigeonhole body types, but are there are there certain body types that are more prone to ACL injury, more position groups more prone to, to ACL injuries? 
you know, not necessarily, you know, if you start talking about BMI, that certainly could maybe have an effect, but not a lot of studies actually show that. Um, there's actually some more anatomic variants, you know, that you actually don't see in, a, in an individual, whether that's, you know, where the actual, the location where the ACL is, what's called the notch, sometimes that can be smaller um, in certain athletes, and, you know, that places people at an increased risk of tearing, or if just their ACL is naturally a little smaller than other folks, um, you know, that's another reason. Other conditions, prior knee injuries certainly can place them at risk, but also it can just be a freak accident as well where you cut and you pivot just correctly and, you know, the ACL will tear. When it comes to some pre-existing uh, conditions, is there a lot of linkage between tendonitis and and uh, and tearing your ACL? You know, not necessarily, but where you can run into issues is say of whether your hamstrings or not, you know, hamstrings or your quads are not strong and maybe it weakens the natural um, kind of muscles around the knee and so it can place you at an increased risk. You know, that's why when folks have some tendonitis or maybe they're not 100%, you're certainly more prone to injuries just because your body's not functioning correctly. Dr. Ben Woodhead's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking non-contact knee injuries, ACL and meniscus. So when you, when you make that pivot or cut and it goes wrong, you, you tear your ACL, touch on just where, where advancements have gone, not only in your side of things, the surgical procedure, but also just the recovery and I always kind of think Adrian Peterson, right? Like super back <laughs> running for two grand after after having a horrific knee issue. Absolutely. So, you know, back in the day, how they used to fix a big open incision, kind of like the traditional knee replacement type of incision that a lot of people um, recognize so so quickly. But nowadays we do it through poke holes, through um, a scope. You know, you're going to have a little bigger incision depending on the type of um, tissue that you use for the actual graft to reconstruct it. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have heard in, back in the day, you know, you can either use your tendons in the front of the knee by the kneecap or you can use your hamstrings. And so that's where the small or the little larger incisions are. But, you know, the rehab for these, you know, it's a lot better than what it used to be. There's new modalities that can help strengthen the quads after. Um, the unfortunate thing, though, is no matter how you do it, and even with the advances in techniques, you're still kind of relying on the old-fashioned tricks of the body to heal. And, there, and there's not a great way to speed that up, um, you know, even if you feel better. And that's kind of the danger in, in surgery these days is that we have new, more minimally invasive techniques that you have less pain after surgery. But that's not sometimes that can be a false sense of security because you feel like you're better than you truly are until the healing actually takes place. Dr. Ben, when it comes to, to, to the rehab, how do you go about getting back to to normal after an ACL, the, the rehab process itself? I mean, what are some of the, the steps that you take, uh, obviously with caution, but how do you go about it the right way? Yeah, usually most surgeons will actually have a protocol that is very similar to kind of across the board where you're protecting the reconstruction or the repair in those first six weeks. A lot of patients will actually be in a brace, and so you're limiting your motion um, but at the same time, you're going to therapy and working on the motion while that while that kind of repair heals. And so that's the most important thing in the first, you know, six to eight weeks. And then, you know, from there on out, you're working on your motion and slowly getting your quad strength back, um, you know, and it's really not about necessarily 
hurrying the process. You're really waiting on, on the body's healing capacity. Dr. Ben Woodhead's with us. Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking ACL injuries. And Dr. Ben, what is it about the, uh, the, the recovery here or today's athlete where a lot of times you'd have an ACL and we're talking years and years ago, it could be career ending. And sometimes guys come back new and improved uh, after the surgery. Why, why do you think that is? I think it is with the techniques that we're actually reconstructing the ACL, and it's also with the rehab. What we know is you, as they get stronger and you're really focusing on that extremity, um, a lot of these athletes, they don't come back until they're 100%, and a lot of times they truly did focus on rehabbing that on that knee and, and they are coming back stronger than ever and a lot of it is just the modalities that therapists have these days um, to help get these athletes back let's talk about the mental hurdle it's one thing to, to get the reconstruction the the rehab and you're feeling great you're out there running but uh, that is also a hurdle to, to overcome not only trust in what's been fixed, but also worrying about future injury. That's something that athletes have in the back of their mind often, isn't it? Absolutely. And if you've ever talked to anybody or you've had one of these injuries yourself, and especially if it's one of these non-contact type injuries, it can happen to anybody. Um, It can happen walking down the stairs. It can happen if you're just running and jogging and cutting and twisting. And so I think that's the that's the hardest part to get over is that, you know, sometimes it can be that perfect storm. And when is that storm going to happen? Um, obviously an athlete's going to be at a higher risk because they're cutting and pivoting and doing activities that the normal population isn't. So it places them at a higher risk. And I think at some point these athletes either just have to make a decision or not that they're going to go a hundred percent and not worry about the potential, um, complications that could happen. Are there instances as well where just because of the nature or maybe there's more collateral damage than just the ACL where guys do come back, but they may be a step slower, either north, south, downhill or laterally? You know, it certainly it certainly can happen. Um, when you have an ACL injury, there's other types of injuries that can happen with it, whether you tear your meniscus, um, whether you get injury to the cartilage. You know, those certainly can have an effect on your recovery, and that's something that you don't know in a lot of these athletes until the time of surgery. Um, and then, you know, it can even get more complex than that because, you know, sometimes you got to actually take the meniscus out. Sometimes you can actually repair it and let the body heal it. And so if that's the case, um, it can certainly delay the rehab as well. Dr. Ben Woodhead. Dr. Ben, thanks for the time today. Absolutely, Chris. Thanks a lot. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Quick reminder, weekend edition, Hail Varsity Radio, a special spring game, pre-spring game time. 10 to noon in the rail yard. Come si- say hi to us. Throw things at me or Cranac, not really, but come get a cool ESPN koozie, and uh, we'll uh, be down there, uh, ready to rock from 10 to noon before the 1 o'clock kick. So, have our city weekend on the road, 10 to noon, in the rail yard for a sun-splashed Saturday ahead of spring football. Reminder about moving, West Blue Realty makes it happen for you. 
getting homes real tough right now. Selling homes, hey, uh, they can get that dollar for you uh, when it comes to West Blue Realty. Uh, the surrounding communities in Lincoln, of course, westbluerealty.com is where you log on. Give a phone call today to Tom Luby or Kelly Hofschneider. Uh, they'll make that next move real easy for you. Uh, Tom Luby's number at 402-540-3768. Kelly Hofschneider. Give Kelly a call at 402-202-2312. Pays to work with West Blue. And you mentioned Hale Varsity. They can provide you up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. 1120 K Street, Suite 200. Awesome stuff today from Ian Fitzsimmons, draft insider, college football analyst with ESPN. Mike Babcock killed it. And, of course, uh, Mike Shuhart. Shuey talking some Kate Smith with us and some Husker football. And uh, we will do it again tomorrow. Trey Wingo, longtime host of NFL Tonight on ESPN. Has done a billion NFL drafts. He's doing work for Fox and some of their social media channels. They're doing kind of a draft party. So Trey Wingo with us tomorrow. Brandon Vogel, Vogues from Hale Varsity. Danny Burke will be with us. Gary Barnett, Barney will uh, talk some ball with us. It is that time again to qualify for the ESPN Memorial Day kickoff. That is meat on a grill, what you're hearing. Uh, what you're qualifying for right now, caller 9-466-3776-800-825-5865, the Weber Spirit E210 Gas Grill. It's a grill. You'll love it. And it's from your friends at Capital Patio and the Flame Shop, a $100 gift card to Campbell's Nursery and Garden Centers, and a $100 gift card to Leon's Gourmet Grocers, some meat for that grill, and something to spruce up the backyard from Campbell's. Caller 9 qualifies now for the ESPN Memorial Day kickoff. Caller 9, you qualify now for that trifecta. We will draw May 20th for you and uh, can get in at 800-825-5865 or 466-3776. Qualify now. can also log on ESPNLincoln.com. I love doing this, man. Uh, summer's around the quarter, Mother's slash Father's Day around the quarter, and how good would that be to get yourself a grill, a gift card from Campbell's, and a gift card from Leon's? Uh, I would take 100 bucks worth of meat from Leon's. That'd be awesome. I will not help you put the grill together. That's all on you. It totally is. So uh, we'll be back at it tomorrow, 4 o'clock. Find the podcast. Get involved with the podcast. Give us a rating uh love us hate us critique us do so uh spotify itunes google play hail varsity radio podcast talk to you tomorrow